eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. The time you hear my whiny ass voice, it will be the 2023 NFL football season. Thanks for tuning in to another Dolphins podcast. I have Merrick with me. I have Joshua with me. I'm not going to waste any more time with a nonsense intro. Gentlemen, we did it. We made it. We are here. We did it. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you you say so yourself. You have a whiny ass voice. I'm hoping that voice isn't whiny come Sunday night after we watch uh, <laughs> the Dolphins play the Chargers in Los Angeles. Hopefully that voice turns into a happy one at the very least. I think we all got our fingers crossed for that one. But it it, it is here. You are right. Regular season football kicks off Thursday night. Lions at Chiefs, and then Sunday Dolphins in at the Chargers. Pod biz, Thursday night's tonight in the pod. It biz. is. Yeah. Tonight's, tonight's Thursday. We're always right. living in the future. Ready or not, right? Here it comes. We really don't have any more, uh, whether we want it to wait a couple more weeks or not, it's here. And like you both mentioned, we get the Chiefs and Lions, Dan Campbell, Man Campbell going out there, trying to dethrone the Chiefs. And then Sunday, the moment we're all dreading, right? I mean, since the <laughs> schedule came out, <laughs> Dolphins uh, to uh, versus Herbert and the Chargers, I mean, we've kind of been dreading what's going to go down on social media. But uh, ready or not, here we come. So I'm doing good, guys. How have you been today? What does that say about us as Dolphins fans where like this offseason has been like the most positive offseason for the Dolphins in so long? You got so many analysts predicting possible Super Bowl victory for the Miami Dolphins this year. And we, three battered Dolphins, are still scared shitless for Sunday's game against the Chargers. Josh, I want to bring you into the conversation Merrick and I were having right before this started because it does feel like it's a prime time, like middle of the season, Herbert versus Tua. The, the storyline's there. Uh, 
do you feel do you wish we played someone else week one like I, I was i brought up the washington game a couple of years ago which was one of the ugliest worst games ever i think the dolphins won like 17 to 10 on a jarvis landry punt return i actually remember people were like tweeting out i would have rather had a good loss instead of an ugly win and it was the stupidest thing ever uh, i don't want to go too far into that but but josh do you wish we played some like i don't know i don't want to say arizona because that's the easy one but like some sort of washington some like hey nfc team just just so we don't have to deal with all the the nonsense that comes with chargers dolphins right away yeah, well, I remember that game you're talking about against the. I guess they'd be the Commanders. Is that what we want to call them now? Think, the Washington I think Football they were the Team. The R words at the time. Yeah, still. yeah, they were definitely the R words. But yeah, Jarvis Landry. <laughs> different R word. Yeah, it is. I, I do. I do wish this was. You know, for some, <clears throat> for so many years we were playing the New England Patriots Week One. I kind of wish that's mm-hmm. who we were going up against, Mac Jones. Um, you know that lackluster New England Patriots team, but. Nope, here we are. Four, we got to wait around all day watching our fantasy football teams do good or bad. And then at 4.15, kickoff starts, and we got Herbert into it right out the gate. So um, I think this first four weeks of this season is going to be pretty um, telling as to how these Dolphins are. But uh, Herbert, Tua, I would much rather see that uh, middle of the season when these offenses defenses are clicking rather than week one when, you know, there's so much uncertainty surrounding all of these teams. There is so much to talk about, gentlemen. We spent all offseason preparing for this, and here we are. So, Merrick, I want to start with you here. And what we have started to see this week is the official depth chart. And two, don't read too much into it. It's going to change quite a bit. We have guys practicing, not practicing. We'll get into injuries in a little bit. But, Merrick, I want to get your thoughts on how maybe, uh, you know, you kind of just said it in a sense, right? We spent all offseason gearing up towards uh, this Dolphins team that we see as one of the top to bottom best rosters of all time of, of our life. All of a sudden, we're still queasy. So, so I want to ask you about Brandon Jones, listed as a starting safety. Where's your vibes at with him? Do you think he's someone who can jump right in? I think it's his fourth season jump right in and really just take control of that safety position. You know, there's a little trepidation with Brandon Jones coming off the injury. You you hope that he can regain form and get a quick start to the 2023 season, but that's not always the case with players coming off of ACL tears, which he is. Um, So you trust the coaching staff, you trust the medical staff. If they say he's ready, then he's ready. But but we'll be able to watch with our own eyes if if it's the Brandon Jones that we're used to. Or if it's a Brandon Jones that's maybe at 80% or 85%. And how effective is a Brandon Jones at 80%? I'm not sure. How effective is Brandon Jones in the Vic Fangio defense? That's, I think, another concern we've all kind of touched on at times throughout this offseason. Does Brandon Jones fit the Vic Fangio defense? I'm not entirely sure he does. Um, I'll be interested to watch and see if he can prove me wrong. And I am hoping that he proves me wrong, but I'm not entirely sure that Brandon Jones is a going to play as much as maybe we think he's going to play and B is going to be a perfect fit for the Fangio defense. And I almost wonder if maybe you'll see a little bit more Verone McKinley in this game while Brandon Jones kind of knocks the rust off from missing uh, a number of games and, essentially an entire season last year. Josh, I want to ask you because the Cowboys uh, fired Kellen Moore. He comes over and becomes the Chargers offensive coordinator. Um, the Chargers really in the last couple of years did that dink and dunk offense from the Saints that Drew Brees mastered. Um, they're going to air it out more. He's going to, Justin Herbert's going to throw the ball downfield. He's going to use his big old arm that we all know about. One of the things specifically Cater Co who sticks out about last year is that whenever Miami's cornerbacks were on an Island, there was always a, a, 
a, a one moment of panic, whether it was just kind of looking around too late, uh, grabbing someone, forcing that pass interference call. How do you feel about the secondary where we feel like in a game like this, there's going to be these isolated battles down the field against a monster like Mike Williams or Keenan Allen? Yeah, and we got to remember Quentin Johnson as well, the rookie there. So, I mean, they got a bunch of weapons. Gerald Everett's another guy that we talked about, Jake. Yeah, yeah, Josh Palmer's a a fantasy, you know, acorn type. Um, First, I just want to say Brandon Jones. I won't put too much stock in the depth chart either, but the fact that they already have him listed as a starter, I mean, I think that does speak volumes as to how they view him. Um, And I wonder how, you know, the Jalen Ramsey injury may have impacted that, right? He's a guy that can come down, play in the box, do those things. So maybe they want to get him out there sooner than later. But um, definitely an intriguing thing to watch. And then for stock up, I also had, like you mentioned, Cater Kohu. I mean, how telling is it that, you know, an undrafted acorn that can play on the outside and on the inside and nickel is, you know, essentially, at least according to the depth chart, looks like he'll be opposite of Xavier Howard. And the fact that you're asking him to go out there again, year two, play opposite of Xavier Howard, lock down that boundary against two of the better wide receivers in football, it's going to be a matchup to watch. So um, I'm excited for this matchup. I would have felt a lot better, obviously, with Jalen Ramsey out there. But um, yeah, I think Brandon Jones will be called upon. And I do think Cater Kohu, it's his time to step up. I mean, I thought maybe he'd be that guy in the slot, but it does sound like he will be on the outside for the Dolphins, at least based on a depth chart, whatever we can take from that. The one guy in offense we haven't mentioned yet, and he had uh, close to 30 touches in total last game was Austin Eckler. Um, He didn't necessarily do anything too well. He had eight receptions on eight targets, and I think he averaged uh, 3.5 yards per carry. He was just really consistent. I go back, he's Miles Gaskin who bought the battle pass. Merrick, how do you feel this Dolphins defense matches up against someone like Austin Eckler? Uh, personally, I kind of feel like this is a running back matchup where the Dolphins might do a little better just because, you know, it's a smaller back. It's not really this ground and pound uh, unit that Vic Bangio defenses might, you know, quote unquote, struggle with a little bit. Yeah, I do feel like the Dolphins defense matches up well against uh, a player like Austin Eckler. Um, and I think very particularly this version of the Dolphins defense matches up well because you take a guy out of the lineup like a Landon Roberts and you insert a guy into the lineup like David Long Jr. And David Long Jr. covers backs and tight ends much better than a Landon Roberts did. And that's not to slander Roberts. That's just not the type of player he was. He was more of a classic linebacker, gets downhill, shoots a gap, tries to make a tackle, stuffs the run, whatever it may be. David Long can do that. We saw him do that in the preseason. We saw him do it quite well. It was actually really exciting to watch. Um, But he also covers those backs and tight ends uh, quite a bit better than a Landon Roberts did. So I, I do think the addition of David Long helps the Dolphins get better And how many years have we been talking about the Dolphins can't cover a tight end? The Dolphins can't cover a running back out of the backfield. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons why they told a Landon Roberts, you know, we'll see you. And and they brought in a guy like David Long Jr. So uh, he seems to be doing all right. He seems to be healthy. Uh, You know, he battled that hamstring injury earlier in the offseason that those woes seem to be behind him. So I think this defense does match up well against the skill set of Eckler. Um, Still waiting on those those uh, interior defensive line reinforcements. I don't know if we're going to see it, at least not week one. But uh, I do feel confident that this defense can bottle up uh, a, a, an outstanding player like Austin Eckler. Yeah, I just want to make sure we said that because, I mean, Jake and I joked that he was a ball. Well, at least I oh, said ball. Bob Miles Gaskin. But, yeah, he's an absolute – 
uh, fantasy darling a stud. I mean, I think Merrick nailed it. You want to see how these linebackers step up. Hopefully, David Long. I mean, that contract wasn't crazy, right? I think the Dolphins kind of got, um, you know, quote unquote, a bargain for what you know David Long can bring to the table. But we need him to step up in that run game. Jerome Baker, those guys, um, and then Emmanuel Ogba. I've written down here while you guys were talking. I wrote his name down. It's just a guy that you know we mentioned reinforcement coming in there. I do think Brandon Peely, um, the guy Jake kind of s- sniffed out early on throughout camp the undrafted acorn i think he'll step up and you know get some reps but i think emmanuel agba is going to see a lot of time down there you know with his hand in the dirt in the middle of that defense so hopefully vic fangio's defense can do what they do because i wish i had it up but um i think he's had success against justin herbert and kellen moore you know the last few meetings they had so um we need that defense to step up because we do remember um how ugly that last meeting was, right? I mean, besides, I still remember that play where Tyree Kill had that crazy touchdown where, like, the ball got batted to him. But other than that, man, that was just uh, a very sad, sad performance. And week one, Chargers at their place, Dolphins, uh, this is a primetime matchup. There was a quote earlier this week from Mike McDaniel, and usually Mike McDaniel, it is like the um, adult voice and the peanuts. You're not going to get a lot of out of it. It's going to be a lot of nothing. Uh, But he did have one line when he was asked about, um, I don't have the exact quote, but guys, I want to ask you about this. Um, He was asked about Brandon Staley, right? These two have a long history together. Mike McDaniel wanted Vic Fangio so badly because Brandon Staley's from that tree. It's just um, a defense that can really slow down that offense. Mike McDaniel, it, it wasn't like a bulletin board material, but he had a line of like, oh yeah, the Brandon Staley effect where he kind of, I don't want to say shrugged it off because Brandon Staley is a good defensive mind. I don't think anybody's doubting that. Um, but do we feel we overvalue that a little bit? And to make this question even more difficult, are we overvaluing the uh, connection Brandon Staley and Vic Fangio have going into this game as well? You make a lot of good points there, Jake. I do find those storylines very interesting because I watched that media availability from Mike McDaniel when he talked about Brandon Staley. And you're right. Like he laughed. He smirked. There was there was something there. You know, we always assume that these guys who work together, that they that they end up loving each other the whole time that they're they're working alongside each other and pure speculation on my part. But it's fair to wonder after watching that presser if Maybe Mike McDaniel and Brandon Staley don't necessarily get along as well as some people may think they do. And, uh, you know, the the Dolphins now have the Chargers defensive coordinator from last year on their staff, Ronaldo Hill. And I think Mike McDaniel thinks that that's kind of a a little ace up the sleeve. I think he feels like, you know, having the defensive coordinator for the Chargers last year on his team Tua can talk to him. McDaniel can talk to him. The entire offense can talk to Ronaldo Ronaldo Hill and and try and get a read on what Brandon Staley uh, was doing, you know, what that defense was doing last season and maybe some wrinkles that maybe Staley will try to throw in this year. So I think Mike McDaniel spent an entire offseason being told by by certain individuals and, and media members that he was out coached by Brandon Staley. And I don't think Mike McDaniel liked hearing that. So I feel like Mike McDaniel is coming into this game with something to prove. I think he feels like he has something to prove. And I think he's going to have uh, some some extra special secret sauce for Brandon Staley and those L.A. Chargers this weekend. I mean, that just, that just sounded dirty. You said he had some extra <laughs> secret sauce for him. But, yeah, I think we put too much stock into, you know, some of these player versus player matchups. We love to sit here and talk about Tua 
versus Justin Herbert. But I mean, you're right, man. Brandon Staley versus Mike McDaniel, both these guys. I mean, they need to try to one up the other one based off what they saw last season. So um, definitely sound like there was some ill will there. Um, I have written down here, Jake, as you guys are talking. I don't know if you guys listened to that, uh, the athletic podcast, but they were talking about the piss boys. I mean, were both of them piss boys? Were they both part of yeah. Kyle Shanahan's piss boys? So. And then um, this is kind of the whole Padawan thing. Can you explain right? that real quick, though, just so if people haven't? Piss boys. They're basically they, – they, they were basically Kyle Shanahan's uh, – maybe they were Mike Shanahan's, just basically like yeah. the interns, the guy that did all the grunt work, and they were known as the piss boys, and they all kind of went on to um, – you know, exceed expectations, right? I mean, Mike McDaniel's a head coach. I think Sean McVay was a piss boy. Kyle Shanahan was a piss boy. The, the list of piss boys go on and on. So much piss. If I was part of a group, if I was part of a group that was named the piss boys, I would do anything and everything to make sure that didn't get out to the national media at all costs. Nobody's calling me a piss boy, damn it. Um, what, one more note about the whole um, I know what you know and you know what I know type stuff. Um, I, I do want to say it is possible that maybe Brandon Staley just kind of pokes fun at Mike McDaniel. It doesn't necessarily have to be there's something bad. He could have just been rolling his eyes because maybe Brandon Staley texted him after the game and said, how'd you like the Brandon Staley effect, different things like that. <laughs> so so I, I, I don't know if it was hate, but, but it was curious because Mike McDaniel, like me, or, you always hear that nasally just rant. And you don't see a lot, but but that really just popped up my radar as something that was a little interesting. One more quote I want to talk about that is also interesting was Tua Tungavaloa on Thursday was asked about him and comparing himself to uh, Justin Herbert. Guys, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because while what Tua said is 100% right, I never once thought he'd come out and just kind of be like, Justin Herbert and I are two different quarterbacks. His arm strength is so much better than mine. Some of his throws kind of wow me. He really broke it down to another step instead of just the cliche player coach talk we're used to. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that from Tua. I, I find this 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 offseason's version of Tua very refreshing. He's very open. He's very honest. He tells you how he feels. You know, Tua's always been somewhat of a guarded guy, and he still is to a certain extent, but he's kind of opened up a little bit more and shown you a little bit more of his personality. And this was part of that. He said, Hey, listen, I'm not Justin Herbert. I'm not six foot six. I can't throw the ball 80 yards downfield. That's not how I win, but that doesn't mean two as a bad quarterback, you know, and it doesn't mean that Justin Herbert's a better quarterback. They're just different quarterbacks and they do things differently. So uh, I, I found that to be pretty interesting and, and, I don't think, I, to me, it shows a level of maturity and a level of growth for Tua that he can sit there and he can listen to people all day, every day, say the Dolphins messed up. They should have drafted Justin Herbert. They shouldn't have drafted Tua Tungabailoa, yada, yada, yada. He can sit there and he can go, okay, well, that's your opinion. I think your opinion's wrong. I think I'm a pretty damn good NFL quarterback. I win in different ways. I win with timing and precision. I win with touch passes. I win, you know, with my my pre-snap intelligence. Um, and 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 that's okay. Like the old saying goes, there's, there's many ways to skin a cat. And hopefully we don't see any cats skinned on Sunday in the literal uh, sense of the phrase. But I do think you'll see a confident Tua out there. Mike McDaniel has done such a great job building Tua's confidence over the last two years. Um, and I think you're going to see a player who is excited to be back on the football field since the, for the first time since uh, Christmas, at least in, in a, a regular season fashion, a regular season kind of way. And, and I just overall have very much enjoyed 
Tua's candidness uh, over these last few weeks in particular. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He really has been so candid, and you're right, man. This is the first time we've seen him since uh, Christmas Day. So um, I think that tattoo's got him a lot more confident, you know, going out there with a little bit more swagger. But um, what I think is most funny is now, in hindsight, everyone can sit here and say, and I mean, based you base it basically off of Tua's health, right? If Tua's healthy, you're not sitting here saying it's a decided factor that Justin Herbert, despite all his records, you know, the best three years um, by any quarterback ever, you know, is that decidedly better than Tua outside of those injuries? Um, But I do think that, you know, looking back at it, there was not an analyst that would have taken Herbert at the time over Tua. So um, Tua's doing what he can do. I'm excited for this matchup and excited to see how he bounces back because, you know, again, that last time they played the Chargers, it was ugly, and that kind of led to a little bit of a rough patch for the Dolphins. And, you know, we don't want to see that. We want to see these guys grow and build upon that. So um, hopefully Tua comes out there, guns a-blazing, but he does realize that, you know, he's not the same quarterback as Justin Herbert, as we all realize, right? I mean, they're two completely different quarterbacks, him, Joe Burrow, Tua Tavaloa. Um, I think they're all going to win, you know, they're all going to be successful in the NFL. I mean, that's the the next era of NFL quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yeah, Mr. Participation Trophy, look at you go. Everyone's going to be happy. There's going to be rainbows and butterflies. I like it. I like it. Let's turn the page and get miserable and talk about some injuries. Gentlemen, Toronto oh, Armstead oh. did not practice on Thursday. I think this is something I mentioned to Josh yesterday. I remember writing a story like late October something like that. That was just Teron Armstead is finally practicing for the first time this year. Uh, So Teron Armstead isn't someone who has to go out there and gel and get chemistry with his teammates. He's an absolute stud. There's a reason why he was brought to Miami. That being said, I'm starting to think he's not going to play week one. Getting a little scared there. Getting a little scared. You said he didn't practice Thursday. We didn't, it's actually Wednesday. Sorry, so we're, we're, right. we're not a hundred percent sure. I guess there still is a chance, still an opportunity for Teron to practice Thursday. Um, Mike McDaniel's comments today made it sound like that's probably not very likely. And I think the 2023 version of Toronto Armstead is going to be very similar to the 2022 version where he doesn't practice a whole lot. And we're sitting around Sunday morning, refreshing our, our, our Twitter, our X apps going, is Toronto playing? Is Toronto playing? Waiting for the inactives list to come out. And that just gives me so much stress and so much anxiety every Sunday morning. I'm trying to enjoy, you know, my donut, my coffee. But all I can think about is is Teron Armstead going to suit up on on Sunday for the game? Um, I think I'm with you, Jake. I think earlier in the week I was like, ah, nah, he'll be fine. He's good to go. But I really do think they're being careful with their star left tackle. They're trying to get him healed up as much as possible so that he can, you know, hopefully – Hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe at some point this season be 100%. I don't know if that's actual, actually a, a realistic dream to have, but uh, I'm leaning towards Armstead not playing on Sunday, but the silver lining there is that Kendall Lamb has apparently, by all accounts, been killing it this preseason at the left tackle spot. So you hope there's not too much of a, of a drop-off from 
Armstead to Lamb. I think that's my rose tinted glasses on right now. You know, oh, there won't be that much drop off from a, an all pro left tackle to a, a journeyman, uh, 30 something year old uh, swing tackle here. But um, yeah, it is. It is a little bit concerning. We, we've gotten some positive injury news with some other guys, but at least on the Toronto Armstead front, uh, it's it's making me a little nervous. Yeah, I was already queasy. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a pessimist. I was already sitting here. I think when Jake and I did this podcast, I was leaning more towards, you know, oh, oh shit, we're, we're in trouble here. Then you're sitting there saying there might not be a big drop-off, trying to convince us there's not a big <laughs> drop-off. <laughs> Teron Armstead and Candle Lamb. So, yeah, we're, we're in trouble, especially going against Khalil Mack. Uh, and Joey Bosa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, we'll try to uh, give you sunshine and roses like Jake was saying. I was throwing rainbows and sunshine and things like that out there. But um, without Teron Armstead out there, I'm definitely feeling, um, I'm going to say it, queasy, Joe Philbin queasy for sure. But I, I guess if you had to take, you know, he's not going to play a full season, right? So if he's going to miss any games, like wouldn't you rather miss the first few games and be healthy the rest of the season? But I know that's not how it works. So These first few games look pretty tough, though. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I mean – I, I don't know, man. I, I just want to see Teron Armstead out there and hope that, you know, it, it's sad that the Dolphins offensive line is so bad that an elite guy like Teron Armstead, even when he's not in the lineup, it still makes the signing look okay because um, the alternative is so ugly, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Oh, God. I, I would just love to have a complete offensive line. That would be so cool. Uh, looking back to last year, I don't think it's much of a surprise to why the Dolphins lost. I think Tua's completion percentage was like 30%, something crazy like that. And the Dolphins were actually running the ball pretty well against the Chargers, close to five yards per carry. Gentlemen, both Selvan Ahmed and Devon Achain were present, neither in a red jersey on Wednesday. How does this running game impact the, the battle against the Chargers, especially when you consider the secret sauce this Miami offense is attacking over the middle? The secret sauce to not going over the middle is to go outside. Don't tell anybody that secret. Well, so, you know, there was a graphic going around on Twitter earlier today about how the Chargers defense struggled mightily against the run. There was a whole lot of numbers on there. I'm not a math guy, not super interested in looking at percentages. All you need to tell me is you can beat the Chargers by running the football. And Mike McDaniel has said time and time again this offseason that he would like to recommit and maybe not even recommit, but just commit uh, to running the football consistently for the first time as head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I say recommit because his history is as a run game coordinator for a very successful rushing attack in San Francisco. So we know that he has the scheme to get it done. And we've been told all offseason by people in the know that the Dolphins will run the ball more this year. Now, the Jeff Wilson injury concerns you a little bit. You know, he was the number two guy there. Raheem Mostert seems healthy for how long? We'll see. But Savon Ahmed had a very, very promising preseason. And Devon A-Chain is back. No uh, red non-contact jersey at practice for him. Uh, so you got a stable of backs that could get the job done. And all three of those guys could hit a home run at any moment. So I do think you're going to see the Dolphins uh, attempt to run the ball uh, a little more consistently this time against the Chargers. And I think they will actually have a little bit more success in doing so. Yeah, I had written down Devon A-Chain as stock ups. But if you have Devon A-Chain as a stock up, you have to have Salvin Ahmed right there, right? I mean, his... Offseason was just, you know, what you saw in preseason, what you heard in, um, throughout camp is just everything you wanted to hear. So, um, 
you know, beat writers even get confused. Uh, Devon A. Chain and Salvin Ahmed based on They're the same guy, right? Yeah, basically. So, yeah. And I also, a spoiler alert, I'm going to be doing a um, Madden 20. Is it Madden 24? A Madden 24 sim for the Dolphins Chargers game. I actually did it twice now. And in both games, um, I don't even know if I got the full video recording, but Raheem Mostert had a monster day. So, um, we're sitting Love here it. talking about Devon A. Chain, Salvin Ahmed. I think. Raheem Mostert's gonna just go off and we're gonna see him breaking, you know, four or five tackles. Looking like that Marshawn Lynch, Raheem Mostert that we saw in the playoffs <laughs> against the Bills. But but the bigger question is how many receptions did Durham Smythe have? As many as you want him to have. 18. <laughs> 18. There it is. All right. Waiver wire pickup. So the the thing too last year, the Dolphins ran the ball well, and I don't think it's as simple as just running the ball more. The more you go back and you watch that game, I think it's important to keep in mind that this was a passing offense. And if you it if a pass falls incomplete, all of a sudden it's second and ten, that running the ball for five yards and third and five doesn't hit the same way. So I do think a big issue for the Dolphins last year was just stringing together successful plays. And you cannot run the football if you don't string together successful plays. Another thing, the pre-snap penalties. I think that also hurt Miami's ability to run the football. You take care of those two things against the Chargers. Yes, I'm asking the world. I understand that. But I think that's how this offense wins the game. And, and the crazy part here is I could see them loving the run in the first quarter. The Chargers do everything to stop it. And then the Dolphins just throw the ball for three more quarters. I do think you establish the run. It starts with the run. Uh, but I'm not going to let Mike McDaniel fool me into thinking he's not just going to try to do a keg stand in the middle of the second quarter. Yeah, I like that. Wouldn't it be cool if he did, though? And wouldn't that be well, such a Mike McDaniel thing to do? You know, we've already seen him, seen him vaping on the sidelines. Oh, that was another thing that he brought up in his press availability that he seemed a little testy about. He said there's a lot of, in 2023, there's a lot of creative people doing a lot of creative things creatively. And and you could just see it in his eyes that he was like, man, screw these guys. Like, yeah, I got caught vaping on the sideline. I'm not going to admit that I was vaping on the sideline. I'll allude to the fact that I was vaping on the sideline, but you're not going to get me to say it in those words. And then the, the Chargers come out and they do their little schedule release and they show, you know, anime style Mike McDaniel vaping in the video. And you could just tell that he was just like, man, I really want to kick the shit out of these guys week one. And and maybe it happens. Maybe the Dolphins come out and all of these worries that we have were for nothing. And we put 48 on them and, and Mike McDaniel goes, hey, what about that Brandon Staley defense? His clock management in that game definitely uh, indicates that he was probably vaping on the sideline. I mean, right? <laughs> was that the game? Is like struggling to get the plays out there. And I mean, that, that's my head. That's our head coach, right? That's something that we uh, fully embrace and la can laugh about. But um, yeah, he did definitely seemed a little bit testy. And um, we'll see, man. He, he's ready to go out there and, and get blood. I think they all are. Everyone seems like they're fired up for this week one matchup. And um, my most, my saddest memory as a Dolphins fan is. Uh, Stojanovich missing that field goal many, many years ago against the Chargers. So F the Chargers. Can't wait for this game and can't wait to see what that Dolphins defense and offense can do um, in 2023. I think we're all. We mentioned the Jeff Wilson injury and it was the abruptness of it. The fact that, OK, you're not practicing, you're not practicing. Oh, you're on IR. Uh, there are a few players, I think Selvan Ahmed and Devon Chain were a couple that we, surprisingly enough, were confident enough to say they're going to be ready for week one. Another player who's going to be ready for week one, and I don't think it was too much of a huge concern, Jalen Waddle. Gentlemen, did you guys – Was the, my queasy meter wasn't on for Jalen Waddle whatsoever. I think it was pretty obvious they were focused on making sure he's healthy. They bubble-wrapped him and, and called it a preseason. 
my queasy meter, my queezometer, if you will, uh, was was very, very, very low. And then as a battered doll fan, like I mentioned earlier, it started to spike a little bit when when recently he still wasn't practicing. And we were like, OK, what the hell's going on here? And you almost wondered if this staff seems overly cautious with injuries, um, mostly from a practice perspective. But it also does seem like they hold guys out of games. Um, and I don't know if that comes from the scrutiny that they received last year for the Tua Tungabailoa concussion stuff. It felt like after that, after the Bengals game in particular, um, they started to, there was no nonsense about injuries. If, if you were hurt, you were sitting no matter what it was. So I guess I, I did start to get a little nervous about Jalen Waddle, but to see him back at practice, full go, no red non-contact jersey, that, you know, qualmed my fears. I'm, I'm very very excited that we'll have our, our two speedsters on the field come Sunday. Cause not only is Jalen Waddle not injured, but Tyreek Hill is not suspended. So there were a couple uh, uh, off season storylines we were monitor monitoring uh, regarding these two wide receivers. And it looks like we'll have them both and they both should be at full strength. Yeah. I'm a pessimist, but I don't think I was ever worried about um, Jalen Waddle at all. I guess I just, um, again, wonder how he's going to go out there and what type of impact he's going to make, right? I mean, I feel like Jalen Waddle could be every bit as important to this offense and, you know, take that next step, sort of speak, as we might expect out Tyreek Hill. So um, it's it stoked that Jalen Waddle's out there. But I was never queasy. My queasometer's always been focused on Teron Armstead, and I'm still focused on Teron Armstead. Merrick, we are not going to see you for the remainder of the week. So let's wrap up this show with some predictions. I know you're about to tell me the Dolphins are going to lose 42-7. to <laughs> No, no. You're not going to get that from me. It's funny. I was actually talking with my, my 12-year-old son about this uh, today. Over the last couple seasons, he's really gotten into all sports, really, but uh, Miami Dolphins football in particular, and and he's really amped up for the game on Sunday. And so before anyone else could ask me, he said, Dad, what's your prediction? Who do you think is going to win on Sunday, and what do you think the final score is going to be? And so I'll give you my prediction and final score, and I'll give you his as well. I did predict the Dolphins' victory. I said 26-24. to 24. Okay, how do we get 26-24? The Dolphins uh, score three touchdowns, two field goals, but miss one extra point after one of the three touchdowns. So uh, I think we'll be, we'll be losing 24, 23. We'll be driving, trying to, trying to take the lead and and, uh, kick the game winning field goal. I think we'll all be nervous because of the missed extra point earlier in the game from Jason Sanders, but he will redeem himself and the dolphins will take this one at the buzzer 26, 24. And then my son also predicted a Dolphins victory. He said 24 to 20. And if we can hold Justin Herbert and that potent offense to 20 points, then this Vic Fangio defense is for real. Uh, And that would be a great start for our Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, You want a prediction? (laughs) What is your, what's your daughter say? (laughs) It's funny because my kids absolutely like everything they talk about. They're like, daddy, look, it's dolphin colors and blue and orange. Everything that they, you know, occupies them is blue and orange. I mean, I want to be honest and I'm I'm not going to be honest because dolphin fans would be upset, but I think I'll go 31, 27 dolphins. Uh, This game is one of those that I think when we look at the schedule, um, you know, when I tried to predict the dolphins 2023 season, I think it went both ways. I I mean, I feel like this is that game. I think it definitely lose right out the gate, but I'm going to go 31, 27 dolphins because, uh, this is a Dolphins podcast. This is another Dolphins podcast, and I am a homer, so 31-27. So I think 
there's going to be a very awkward like middle school are you looking at me across the gym are you just talking to your friend this is all really weird between these two teams just because i think you're right merrick there's some i don't want to say bad blood but i I genuinely think maybe Tua mcdaniel these guys are kind of annoyed that they have to answer questions about how do we stop justin herbert and and, uh, brandon staley but I also think bringing in Kellen Moore, I do think their offense is going to have some hiccups early in the season. I do feel like being at home, the Chargers are going to come out and feel comfortable to run their offense. That being said, I also think about the fact that Dak Prescott, last year they say is arguably his worst year, he had the most interceptions of his career under Kellen Moore, I believe it was. Justin Herbert last year, uh, he had arguably the worst career season of his career, excuse me, and I think he actually, 15 interceptions was his career high. I think this is going to be a situation where the Chargers are very comfortable. They're playing at home. They're in their system. We beat the Dolphins last year. I think they're going to be a little too comfortable. I'm going 31-17 Dolphins. I just think they're going to be so annoyed. I think there's no such thing as like, um, you know, I I don't really know if it boils down to something like bulletin board material. I don't know if that really has a huge difference. But I genuinely think the Dolphins have approached at least these last couple weeks with the idea of, we are sick of these guys. We are so sick of the Chargers, and I'm not necessarily sure the Chargers can feel that same way against the Dolphins, and that's my spin zone to how I feel the Dolphins are going to kind of kick some butt uh, week one. Ooh, love just it. To cl- just to clarify, we're all picking the Dolphins to win despite Teron Armstead and how negative we are that he's going to play, right? Yeah. So Ken- <laughs> Kendall Lamb and uh, Liam Eikenberg, we are um, – yay. We're, we're, it's, we're it's, all on board with that. It's week one. It's It's the time for optimism, you know we've had some pretty serious losing streaks in each of the last two seasons. Hopefully we don't get to that point with the dolphins in 2023. If it does happen, however, we can put our pessimistic hats on then, but for right now heading into week one, we are all optimistic about this dolphin squad and we're talking super bowl. Think about it real quick. How did the dolphins lose this game? I genuinely think it really boils down to something along the lines of, the Chargers have six, seven guys just standing on the on the line. You can't run the ball to the outside. They clog over the middle. Um, and maybe Tua throws to a linebacker first play of the game. That's kind of how I – That's how, I don't think the Dolphins would lose a close game against the Chargers. I think if they lose, it's going to be kind of ugly. And I think Tua throwing it to a linebacker's chest is like ugly 101. Yeah, and, and, you know, we're entering year four of Tua Tungavailoa as the Dolphins quarterback. And, you know, unfortunately, he still has, you know, that one or two uh, boneheaded play uh, each game. <laughs> and that's unfortunate. So hopefully he can uh, he can get past those issues. And But I could I could certainly see that happening. I could certainly see, you know, the, the, the Chargers replicating what they did on defense last year. And maybe Mike Daniel thought he had some answers and he didn't have some answers and, and, and they're bottling up Tyreek and they're bottling up Jalen and, and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack are, are wreaking havoc on this depleted offensive line. It's, it's certainly a scenario that could happen, but at this point in the year, I'm not even going to entertain that idea. I'm going to say the dolphins will put together uh, a great game in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, and uh, they'll come out with the win. Yeah, we're not even going to entertain it, but we definitely just heard all of that. So, I mean, <laughs> now, I'm start- now I'm starting to feel a little worried, right? I mean, you're like, how how could this possibly happen? Oh, Tua just throws a, a ball into a linebacker's chest like we see him do every game, and then Justin <laughs> Herbert does what he does. I mean, so so thanks, guys. I mean, we're all sitting there picking the Dolphins to win, but – um, yeah, you just laid out the blueprint as to how this is going to go because um, <laughs> every year, same old Dolphins. The last thing I have before I wrap up here, and I'm sorry, guys, um, would it be too much of a homework assignment? I mean, our our 
pregame predictions, it's obvious that we picked the Dolphins. We love the Dolphins. We're not going to come in here and say they're going to be miserable. We'll spin it. We'll try to say how we think they're going to lose and things like that. But at the end of the day, our predictions are always going to be the Dolphins. We spend way too much time doing these podcasts to not pick the Dolphins. Would you both be willing to give me a, uh, a child prediction every week to kind of add to our uh, add to our tally, add some extra flavor? Because, I mean, our knowledge is about a six-year-old, so so Merrick's son is already <laughs> above us, and we're, on, we're, we're, we're getting somewhere here. We're learning something. What's funny is my 12-year-old is an optimistic Dolphins oh, fan, my but my but my seven-year-old is a pessimistic just person in general. I don't know. He was just born with a scowl. He really was. Uh, love him to death still. But but he's a very pessimistic Dolphins fan. So he's predicting a loss on Sunday for sure. He's like, he never knows, right? He's like, who are we playing? And I'm like, oh, the Chargers. Ryan Tannehill got hurt. He was born when Ryan Tannehill got hurt. That's why, right? 2016? Uh, yes, yes, he was. He was born in March, so he saw he was there for all of that. But he every week, who are we playing? And I'm like, uh, this week it's the Chargers. We're going to lose. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so he has us going 0-17, by the way. Yeah, he, he knows how it is. So you, what, you want us to get our kids' prediction every week? We can do that. Is that what you're saying? I think my daughters, I think they're pretty optimistic right now, but I'll find out what they're saying. I told you before, uh, there's a sticker, a left arm of God sticker on my computer, and my daughters were there watching Marino highlights. They're like, I don't like Marino. Two is my favorite. And I'm like, you have no idea. But that made my, that made my life. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. Until next time, we can't wait to talk to you. But until then, fins up. Fins up, baby. Fins up. Des Bryant said that the Dolphins are going to go in 17 and draft Caleb Williams. Fins up.